Hey friends, thanks so much for tuning into the Inner Revolution podcast. Are you ready to be changed? Well, let's go. Hey friends, thanks for joining us for another uh, Inner Revolution podcast. Very excited to have Dan Miller back. Uh, episode four of, of really the shattered man. But today we're going to really go in a new direction. Dan, thanks so much for being back here and enduring, endure, not enduring, enjoying. That's the word I want. Enjoying it. the discussion. <laughs> and really, Dan, it's been amazing. Uh, the response we've been getting, you said you got an email from Kenya and I've gotten emails and contacts from all around the globe, just uh, people loving the conversation here and um maybe you're with us for the first time today dan is a father of six he's a coach he's works with um, gabriel network which is a life ministries pro-life ministry he's a mentor of men a pastor as well uh even though he doesn't like to be called that but i i think he is awesome man of god and anyway we're just glad to have you back and today dan you know we've been throwing around a lot of different conversations about subjects but i think we want to talk about how men can deal with anger and is anger good can anger be good and positive in my life or is it something that is like a wrecking ball uh so just to start off the conversation dan what what do men do with their anger well you know we're going for the big one i guess you know today <laughs> you know uh, we all struggle with it you know, any person who says that they do not, you know, we're just fooling themselves and lying to themselves. You know, do I think is anger ever good? I think Jesus was angry when he was in the temple. You know, I, I think um, God is angry at sin, you know, and so, yeah, anger can be righteous. But I would say usually in our own flesh, anger is very rarely righteous. It's usually coming from a very selfish, self-absorbed place, self-conscious. And, you know, I think like many of the emotions that we experience and that we feel, whether it be at our work, whether it be, you know, um, in our homes, whether it be in our marriages, whether it be in a lot of other situations, a lot of times I believe God intentionally gave us emotions for a reason. You know, it wasn't a mistake that he gave us anger, you know, and even sometimes he allowed us to experience and feel this unrighteous anger. And I feel like, in my opinion, the way I kind of interpret anger and a lot of those other emotions is we need to understand why would God give this anger to us? Why would he allow us to feel this way or experience this? And I think a lot of times is to get us back to him. You know, and, you know, I know with me when I'm feeling and it's a feeling anger, it's not a head thought. It's more of an, a hard emotional reaction to something. And it's usually because I feel wronged. I feel something isn't right. And in a weird way, I, I think that's God's way of saying, OK, your anger is, you know, given to you to recognize that something's not right, but your anger unrighteously, you know, and I want to make sure that we're talking about what we emotionally feel and not a positive and healthy way that the Bible does, you know, talks about in a, in a bad scheme. I believe that anger is letting us know that 
we are so self-aware and self-absorbed and so self-centered in that moment that we are being dictated by our emotions and we are no longer acting within the Holy Spirit's world and realm. And so anger is a sign, a, a symbol, a, you know, it's a thing that God allows us to have to be able to say, time out, like something's wrong. And anger does that. It lets us know something's not right. But too often we look at that, something's not right. And we immediately look internally and say, how is it affecting me? And I am being wronged and I am being hurt and I am, something's unfair to me or my experience. And it's not about Christ and getting our eyes centered on Christ. And I think a lot of times anger, as an example, you know, and I'll use my own life, you know, in marriage, you know, when I am angry at my wife or I am angry at my kids, it is almost always stemmed from me feeling wronged. And what that is telling me, if I, when I step away from the emotion is I am finding my identity and my purpose and my, and what is feeding who I am based on how other people make me feel. I have no longer kept my eyes on who I am in Christ. I've no longer looked at God and said, God, who am I in you? Because I am feeling wronged. <laughs> and our focus is no longer on God and what the Bible teaches. Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kind. What? That doesn't add up to me. Like, no, there's nothing joyful when I'm getting ridiculed or I'm getting persecuted or I'm getting treated unfairly. But yet, we need to understand we are going to get treated unfairly as Christians. And you know what? Because of our flesh and because we sometimes want to live in our flesh and we want to act and respond in our flesh, we are going to therefore have feelings of the flesh. And I think anger often is of the flesh. And I think that's what we're really talking about. And it is always around a self-absorbed, victim, I'm hurt, I'm being mistreated, and I am being mistreated because this person or this situation is not making me feel good. And that immediately puts our eyes completely on the earth, on our surroundings, and we are actually, and I'll just use marriage, I'm actually looking for my wife to make me feel something and to complete me and to give me identity and to give me a sense of purpose when in all honesty I'm supposed to not be doing that I'm supposed to be the one having my eyes completely centered on Christ giving our family a purpose about Christ and anger comes from missing the mark we are living in the flesh and not in the spirit and understanding who we are in God and for finding our identity in something of the world. And so I think anger can serve a very good purpose when we identify what is actually happening. What, you know, when we recognize I am angered and this is the result of what happens when I become angered, I am putting my eyes completely on man to make me feel a certain way and circumstances of the world to make me feel a certain way. My eyes are not on God at all, on who I am, my identity. And we completely then go it's almost like we go down this, this trail of cookie crumbs of anger and just keep on following it, you know, 
until we can get off that emotional roller coaster. And, you know, our emotions are there as signs to let us know when we're not in the spirit a lot of times. And so um, I, I think anger can be righteous. God talks about it. Jesus, you know, experienced it. I think Paul was angry sometimes at the churches, you know. Um, but I also believe a lot of times the anger that we experience in our homes as men are really based off of our insecurity, our identity, not being in God and finding fulfillment and acknowledgement in people and situations. Yeah. And wow, you said a lot of things. Let's unpack some of those things. I mean, as men, I think things can get under your skin. We can get bothered by some things. Maybe we can become fixated on things we can't control. Uh, that festering starts to change our mood. It maybe is discouraging in the sense of like, um, you know, it, it does attack our self-esteem maybe. Maybe we feel like we're not represented correctly or um, we start to lose our grip. Um, that festering and bothering turns into frustration, right? I always think about the frustration index. We look at where we are now. We look at where we want to be and the space in between causes a lot of pressure. And then, then we kind of spills over into this outward explosion or implosion for that matter. The, this angry um, reaction, maybe there's yelling, maybe there's the silent treatment, but there's like people are just um, ready to blow a gasket. There's been so much, uh, there's like, some, they're seething inside of them. And I, you know, I like what you just said. It's like these emotions are, are indicators of, okay, are we in the spirit? Are we uh, needing to re readjust our focus? So let me ask you this. How would you practically help a guy refocus or de-escalate a situation? Let's say they just woke up on the wrong side of the bed, or maybe they just don't feel respected or honored, and they just they're just kind of like, you know, <laughs> they're kind of losing their grip. That frustration is starting to escalate. What are some practical ways that that you um, de-escalate? To process the moment, take a breath, take a breather, take a chill pill. <laughs> yeah. I well, how so. do you do it? <laughs> I wish I knew. I wish my, my, my kids wish I knew. My wife wish I, they, I would better, you know. Um, I think the reality is, is that you have to, you know, we're going to have moments because we are of the flesh. You know, we are battling our flesh every day, every moment, you know. As believers, we have a, a, a God, a Holy Spirit in us who cannot sin. And yet we're in a flesh and a body that only wants to sin and rebel. And I believe a lot of times, I just know for me, it's the prep work that goes into it. Too often we want to respond in the moment. Unfortunately, once you get to that point, too too often you've you've missed the mark. You already you already jumped over the cliff, and everybody in your wake is going to be a victim of your wrath. And I believe that there needs to be prep work in advance of who we are in God, and we need to spend time in prayer. We need to identify as you know these issues that we have, you know, um, my natural tendency is to walk away, shut down. 
Um, and I didn't know that about me. You know, I think, you know, as weird as it sounds, I'm a fighter by nature. And so because of that, I, I decided to take the opposite approach. It's like, I'm just going to walk away so I don't explode, which is probably sometimes for my wife worse, you know, because now she feels very abandoned and she feels like I'm checking out on her emotionally, physically, spiritually. And I had to recognize that about myself. And I still need to recognize that about myself. That is still a struggle that I will have to endure and I have to constantly bring to the cross and allow Christ to take this on for me. I need his help on this. But to get his help, I need to spend time with him. And that's going to be understanding what does the Bible say about who I am in Christ. It is spending time with him in prayer. It is spending time intimately where my relationship with him is first and foremost. And my identity and my understanding of who I am is in how Christ sees me and how God sees me as his beloved son, as his bride as someone that he pursues. And it's the, the legwork a lot of times that go into preparing yourself. And, you know, what is it, you know, uh, Corinthians nine, where it talks about, you know, the race, you know, and everybody runs the race to win it. You know, too often we don't want to win the race. You know, I get any one person is going to win, but I coach sports and we don't train like we're going to lose. You train to win. You train to be your best and you train to work on your weaknesses and to identify your strengths and to understand what it is. And I believe you need to recognize what those things are about who you are. I believe you need to spend time in prep work, prayer, reading, being around other godly men who are feeding you. I'm just going to be honest. You're not going to church. You know, stop your complaining. Well, you're not putting in any work. If you're not in church on Sunday, you're not in church on Sunday night, if you're struggling. I knew I had a rough week this week. I knew, you know, and I talked a little bit earlier, I was having a rough week this week with work. I had some things I had to deal with. Guess where I was last night, knowing what today was going to be. I went to church. I made sure I spent time. And guess what? I, I stayed there a while just fellowshipping because I needed that. I, I had to be intentional. I needed to make sure that I was keeping my heart and my eyes and my mind centered on Christ. Um. And I think we need to recognize our triggers. I think in a very practical way, you know, we need to understand our triggers. And I'm looking at it from a home perspective is you can't have these conversations when feelings are at its highest. You know, that's not the time to say, when you say this, this is the effect it has on me. But there are times where you need to be open with each other as a couple and say, you know what, this does affect me and this does hurt me. And this does create a trigger response. And I know this is my sin. This is my sin. I'm not putting this on you, but I need your help. Like I need your help because you're my spouse and I know you love me. And I think when we go to that route of like, I know you love me and we, and we own that. And in those moments, our wife's not really, her intent is not to destroy you. Her intent is to make you feel something, you know, and we do the same thing to her. And so I think just being able to be intentional about conversations when it's healthy and it's safe. No, it's a good point. I mean, maybe just to reiterate, you know, it's like uh, one person said, like, have your anger be in the basement. So it takes you a while to get down and get it, you know, and I think mm -hmm. the only way we can have a, uh, a longer fuse is really preparing our heart beforehand. I, 
I think of a firefighter, right? How does he prepare himself to go into the burning building? You know, he's got these fire retardant shoes and pants and jacket and and a respirator and a helmet. He's prepared for the heat. And uh, I think a lot of us can lose our stack because we're unprepared. We've had something steals our joy because we let it. We gave it away. And another writer says it like this. If it, if it takes your joy or if it takes your peace, it's too expensive. Mm-hmm. And I like that. I like that. And, um, you know, going back to the relational aspect of marriage, you know, those triggers, those are real things. And <clears throat> knowing when to dialogue and go after uh, a resolve of a problem and it's not when you're at defcon one you know <laughs> yeah and uh and sometimes it's like taking a breath and and uh counting down from 10 i know this sounds pretty juvenile but it's like just processing ourselves so that we don't give the peace people we love the worst of us but we want them to have the best of us and but i think anger anger we ourselves are what gets ourselves angry i mean again our interpretation of things um maybe our our hidden uh dissatisfaction or 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 discouragement and um so when you're thinking about recovery in the sense of a relationship it's you know when we say you said the word insecurity or not taking it so personal don't you think sometimes as men we can take things way too personally or we're oversensitive about the little thing and we're not sensitive enough about the big thing right what would you say about that yeah i think the little things are usually things that are based on our own insecurities and our ego they're things that make us feel a certain way and i'm going to keep on going back to our feeling a certain way you know um you know, the things that our eyes are supposed to be on, the culture that we create in our home, you know, you're responsible for that. I'm sorry to be that blunt and direct, but at the end of the day, you're responsible as a man for the culture of your home. And if your culture is one of anger and one of resentment and one of hurt and one of insecurity and one of I am wronged, well, that is the culture you are creating in your home. And you have that impact. You have that influence. You have that power that God has going has placed you in that role. Now, Christ went to the world, presented himself, and not everybody followed. Okay. And some people, it takes a whole lifetime before they start following. Does not change our position. It does not change our responsibility. If I am going to, after a blow up, if my response is to go to my wife and say, you need to hear how you hurt me, which I think is a natural response. You know, you're still stuck in it. You're creating a me, me, me. It's about protecting myself and it's about me. Versus if you go in there with grace and mercy and ask for forgiveness. And you do that under the understanding that she may never once acknowledge her wrongdoing. 
To me, that is being Christ-like in our marriage. Because we, you know, are supposed to be the head like Christ is the head of the church. And he committed no sin, but yet he was treated as nothing but sin by God when he's laid on that cross. And we are supposed to be okay. And it sucks. I, I will call it for what it is. It, it is hard work sometimes to go and say, you know what? I feel I was completely wronged, but I want to create a culture of grace and a culture of love and a culture of mercy in my home. And if I got to be the one to take it for the sake of my wife and my kids, God made me to be able to do this. He made me a man. He made me strong enough. He gave me emotions that I'm able to squelch at times when needed. I'm able to toughen through it. But more importantly, God has put this on me. And so I need to create a culture of Christ and the cross in my home. And it's hard and it's, it's, it sounds unfair. But when do we think it was going to be easy? Like, this is why God made us to be the men. We chose to get married. We chose when we said to our wives, will you marry me? And I do. We were saying, I am going to take on this role for our family. And if you didn't understand that, well, I'm telling you, that's the role you took on. So it's going to be rough. It's going to be hard. And so you need to do that much more work to prepare yourself to be that man, to create that culture, to be strong enough to take on that weight that when things are unfair and you're getting mistreated, you still are going to show Christ in your home. And when you fail, you are not going to go and say, but you wronged me. You are going to go with your knees down, you know, and you are going to beg for permission with scraped knees and dirty fingernails and just say to your family, I am sorry, I am wrong. I, I, I am apologizing to you and I will do everything I can through Christ to try to repent from this behavior. And sometimes our wives need to hear not how they wronged us or how they aren't right with God or how they're not submitting. They need to hear that no matter what you are putting their interest ahead of theirs. And that includes emotional, and that includes spiritual, and that includes physical. <clears throat> wow. I'm just processing what you're saying here. I mean, this is loaded. I mean, just going back a few paragraphs, you said like the like our spouse, for instance, doesn't even have to apologize. Like what a what an awesome beginning. Cause sometimes I think we are wired to kind of say, hey, you have to admit you're wrong, and then therefore I'm gonna be gracious. But it doesn't go like that. Grace is preemptive. It comes before. And I love another thing you said, like we are designed this way to take the hit. And, um, you know, again, as men, it's it's what is needed here. Leadership is not what's convenient. It's it's acting on what is is needed. And that's to represent Christ. It's to represent his nature. And then you said a huge thing, having a grace culture in your relationship. Um, Wow, a grace culture, like saying, I'm sorry, but more than that, demonstrating the sorrow, not just being lip service and going back to the same thing. And, and um, 
you know, I, I don't know if you've grown up in a home where uh, your parents yelled a lot. I mean, we experienced this a little bit growing up and, and a lot of, uh, you know, people yell because maybe they don't feel like they're being heard. But um, that is a tough thing for a kid to process. Uh, it's a tough thing to to really um, that cry of the heart that's really, you know, maybe falling on deaf ears, some people think, but having a grace culture, it really um, brings in this beautiful security, this love, this care, this, uh, this real understanding. And I think, especially in our world, where there's lots of pressures, men, men and women for that matter, but we're talking to men today, like the pressure will break you and we need to cast our cares onto the Lord. And that's, that's where we have the strength to not just react, but respond to God, respond. Cause, cause wouldn't you say just like kids, I mean, you know, this, you're a dad, some kids just do what they do for negative attention, right? Wouldn't you say that's also a triggering factor in relationships? People just, they just, they're just awful because they want to, because they're hurting, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you know, you talked about the the need that some people have for negative attention. And it is sad that the healthiest thing that people feel is unhealthiness and hurt is where they feel safest. And they just so desperate for attention that any attention will do. And this is very personal to me and, you know, and I'll just say this, you know, um, two things on, on kind of following up, you know, my father, you know, there's a phrase and I've heard this said many times, you know, a father is the close is how their children will identify how God will love them and treat them. And so I don't want, and I know I fail at this sometimes way too often. I don't want my children to think God is harsh. He's a dictator. He stands over top of you and hits you over the head when you fail. He just does nothing but hold you accountable. But that there's a relationship, there's love, there's safety. And unfortunately, you know, and, and men do this as well. Some people just need any kind of attention. And again, that comes from someone who's just completely, in my opinion, from a man's perspective, you know, I'm just going to talk from a man's perspective, usually somebody who's so egomaniacal that all they can think about is their own personal world. And they are more interested in creating chaos and they are more interested in creating hurt. And they are okay handling their own hurt because they want others to hurt with them. And a lot of times people who are in that vibe or in that world or live in that path, there's so much hurt going on in them that the only way that they know how to respond is to hurt those that they are around. And if we're married to somebody like that, or one of our children are like that, or we have a parent who's like that, or we have a sibling who's like that, the only thing that we can really do is really at those times, just show them who they are in Christ. Because we can't change somebody like that. We can't. 
we can't change anybody. My wife is amazing to put up with me. And I have tried for 20 some years to try to change her and I fail. And she will tell you the same about me. There's so many things she would like to change. I can't imagine why. But the reality is, is that the only way that I can change in the way that she desires truly, if, if she's loving me and the only way that she, I can change, get her to change is through the Holy Spirit. And so you will never get out of that negative funk or that desire to be negative or create a negative world around you until you come to an understanding of who Christ is, how much he loves you and appreciating his, your identity in him. And as long as we continue to live in this egomaniacal, self-absorbed world, we are going to fail and we are going to continue to see ourselves in the flesh, which is a failure. We see ourselves as the person who deserves to go to hell. We understand why we are wretched and why we are complete failures. And we know who we are late at night when we look ourselves in the mirror. And we all struggle with that. But the only way to get out of that is to understand who we are in Christ and that we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, that we are selected and elected, that we are his children whom he loves. And I was blessed to have a father who I believe was always very even keeled. And so he handled things slowly and processed. He was intentional and he was deliberate. But when his anger came out, it, we knew there was a problem because it wasn't often. And when we saw his anger, it shocked us and it should because it wasn't a norm. It wasn't the norm. And, you know, I think people who are needing negative attention, you know, it's a Christ issue. And it's a crisis issue, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think it all goes back. I think you've been referring to the grace identity, like a person loses themselves. They have an identity crisis and therefore they're just reacting to everybody and everything. Um, you know, a couple of words come to my mind, like narcissism, uh, gaslighting, yeah. you know, there's this self-absorption and then the self-deflection. But, but you know, what, what an amazing uh, provision that we have to um, let water roll off the duck's back, you know, not taking it personally, uh, not taking ourselves too seriously, um, you know, learning to let go of things that don't matter. And I think I think you said some really insightful things today, like knowing who we are in Christ so that we don't need to defend anything else that doesn't resemble that. Right. I think yeah. you said something huge too, like preparation. Like if you know you're going to have a busy day, like you had, a, you had a great week, uh, a difficult week, I should say. And, and um, maybe God prompted you to, to be prayed up and to take time and pray and say, Lord, be my insulation, be my fire suit today. Um, you know, these are just some practical thoughts today, but anger is good against injustice, against sin, against defending the weak. And I, you know, 
we channel our anger, if I could say, we channel that ang- energy into something good, right? Because absolutely, we could talk a lot about this, but I think sometimes people get angry because they look at things in other people's life that reminds them of things they hate in their own life. And it's like, okay, I need to get with God and say, Lord, I surrender that and I want your grace words, your grace revelation, your grace culture to be something that saturates me, you know? Uh, Yeah, so Dan, any last comments? This is some rich stuff today. Maybe you're listening, folks, and you got an anger problem. Join the club. It doesn't have to it doesn't have to turn the boat upside down, right? We, uh, what would you, any last comments here? I think these are very edifying, helpful. Yeah, I would just say about the anger in the home, you know, it is okay to be angered. Anger should lead to a, a step. You know, it should create an action. And if we're angry about our home being off and not being centered on God or angered in the you know we got to really recognize what is the culture of our home not just the response of my wife or my children but what is the culture of the home and that might anger us that it's not where it's supposed to be and and i get that like sometimes we're just missing the mark as a family you know and but angered just an emotion alone is not good it's supposed to again create an action and that action should be how, what am I to do with that to bring it back to Christ? And so unfairness in your home, being angry at things that are unfair, right? Like you talked about, like some injustices, people being mistreated who are poor or weak or, you know, there's so much righteous anger that we could be angry about, but we got to do something about it and we got to take a step, you know, in the right direction that's going to bring it closer to Christ and never bring it closer to me. Because now it is not a righteous anger. It is a selfish anger. And, you know, I would just probably end with, you know, what I said earlier. I I think it is a beautiful and wonderful and amazing blessing but a huge responsibility that we are created men. It was intentional by God when he created you and formed you in your mother's womb that you would be a man. And he made you strong enough to handle the burdens and the battle that Satan and the world wants to attack at your family. And you are to stand in the gap and be that strong one who says, I am going to protect my family and I'm going to set a culture in my family of grace and love and mercy. And we will be Christ centered and we will be church focused and we will be doing whatever I can as the head of my household to point everyone in my home to Christ, either directly or indirectly. And I will set the example for my children because my children are going to view God and how they view me. Wow. Amen. So good. So good. I hate to stop here. You know, I, I thought of three things as you were talking and I'm, I am listening to you, by the way, but my mind is racing, of course. I mean, we want to fight the right enemy, don't we? We want to fight the right mm-hmm. enemy. Our family's not the enemy. Our kids Wife's are not, not your enemy. enemy. Yeah. It's fight the right enemy. Number two, 
don't look at the whole staircase. Look at the step in front of you, you know, keep it small. Do what you can. Number three, do what you can now with what you have and don't be frustrated or angry about what you don't have because that will come when it comes and the Lord is faithful. And then lastly, just to reverb what you said there, reiterate grace culture, give grace to yourself, give grace to your 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 uh your troublemaker the one that's provoking you and and by the way wouldn't you say like we're provoked because we're still alive right we're not dead with christ but because you can't provoke a dead man (laughs) so it's like okay lord i need time with you i need to surrender and um again righteous anger so important but fight the right things don't fight don't fight people don't fight um you know fight the good fight of faith and that's exercising and demonstrating christ what you're saying today awesome stuff dan i gotta let you go friends thanks for joining us for another episode of the inner revolution podcast check us out at innerrevolution.us subscribe keep chatting with us uh write some things down that you want us to talk about we love hearing from you and dan thanks a million god bless you sir thank you Thanks, friends, for joining us for another episode of the Inner Revolution podcast. Please find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, and subscribe so that you don't miss an episode.